We're concluding our sermon series on the names and nature of uh, Jesus. And next week, we'll start a Lenten series called Words from the Cross. And our appointed pastors will all share in this sermon series together. So one week you'll get Corey and then Ben. But uh, we're starting next week with Reverend John Branning. You've heard John preach once. He's probably the best preacher in the annual, no offense to us, he's probably the best uh, preacher in the annual conference. And uh, he'll start that series next week, so I hope you'll be here uh, for that. But as we conclude this series, as Hebrews chapter 3 reminds us at the very beginning, we want to give a good hard look to Jesus. We want to consider Jesus, and that's what we've tried to do throughout this series, to look at his names, to look at his nature, to see more of him, but also then to see what is our right response to him. Now, last week, and we, we can't leave Hebrews without this, we've been talking about the supremacy of Christ, the supremacy of his person, the supremacy of his work, but last week we looked at the fifth warning, the closing warning in Hebrews, and, and we've got to hear those words as well. So this week we're going to go all the way back to the first warning. Hebrews kind of closes out at the end of chapter 13 by saying, I've given you these exhortations. Bear with this word of exhortation. Hebrews is a sermon. And so you're getting these many sermons throughout. This is who we ought to be in response to who he is and what he has won for us, what he has accomplished uh, for us. So we need to hear this sermon. And listen, go into chapter 2, verse 1. It's a tough word. It's a hard reminder right out of the gate. He's just talked about the supremacy of Christ, his full deity, and then begins in this chapter Pay attention, be careful, be intentional, lest we drift away. It was real for the people then, and it's a warning we need to hear now. Be intentional, be careful, pay attention, or you might just drift away. In John Stott's commentary series on the book of Hebrews, he actually says that word drift has three different meanings to it. One of them is a nautical term of drifting at sea. My favorite, one of my top, yeah, it's probably my favorite commercial, comes out of Europe. Sarah's uh, sister's a missionary there. And so it's a, it's, a, it's a commercial about a young naval officer, probably the first time he's ever getting to serve alone, to work the radio alone. And with a very thick German accent, he greets the officer who's leaving. And you can just kind of read the nervousness on this young officer's face as he's going to sit down at these controls and he's it. He's in charge. And within 10 seconds, he gets a distress call. 10 seconds into being alone for the first time, and it's mayday, mayday, I mean, thick German accent, mayday, mayday, we are sinking, we are sinking, and he, would you please say that again, please say that again, he says, we are sinking, but then his face kind of brightens, and he kind of smiles at this mayday call, and he, and he goes back over the radio, what, what are you, what are you thinking about? <laughs> not thinking sinking that's the tough word here if we're not careful if we're not holding on to Jesus if we're not paying attention if we're not being encouraged by others we'll get to that in a minute if we're not in worship if we're not in study we can drift if you go to Hebrews 6 19 
God has made promises to us in and through Jesus Christ. He's accomplished them. He is to be the anchor of our souls. Yet here's this nautical term, drift. You put a boat out in the middle of the sea and just watch how quickly it can drift, how it can move away aimlessly. And it's not just, it's not just drifting. The, the, the scary part of that is we're going to miss the harbor of our souls the one who is the anchor of our souls. If we get disconnected with him, we're going to drift and we're going to miss all that he has for us. I took some students tubing one year uh, as we were at a Lake Junaluska trip when I was doing student ministry. And, and you go down this pretty, pretty active river. I think our students have been there. Pretty active river, a lot of fun. But as we got near the end, you kind of move over to the right and the people will get you out. And I had students not paying attention. And as I'm walking back up to go a second time, I realized they're on the left side of the river, not the right, because they had been paying attention to everything. And they missed the dropout point. Now, I dropped my tube and start racing because I know the next drop-off point is miles away, and they don't have a clue. They're drifting, not paying attention. Everything's great. And the author of Hebrews says, be careful. If you're not intentional, if you're not careful, you can drift. Leon Morris says in his commentary, it's not necessary to be an open and notorious sinner to be lost. Sadly, that can be accomplished by quietly drifting away. Pay close attention. The second word there uh, could mean that your ring could fall off your finger. So as a pastor, I've got my free segue into the Lord of the Rings. And, and where at the, the opening of that movie, Fellowship of the Ring, it says, the ring of power perceived its time had come, it abandoned Gollum, but then something happened the ring did not intend. It was picked up by the most unlikely creature imaginable, a hobbit, Bilbo Baggins, of the Shire. The ring slips off, but something happens to that ring of power that it did not intend. It's that imagery of allowing something that should be Lord of the Rings precious to you and letting it slip and go. I told our pastor's Bible study this a couple of years ago, but when Sarah and I got engaged, I shouldn't brag about this, uh, but I spent three big ones on her engagement ring. Now, this is $1991, so three big ones, I mean, that's you know, 30 bucks is pretty impressive. <laughs> She's from Brazil. And so you don't, as I couldn't talk her into it, you don't get diamonds in Brazil. You get a, a, just a gold wedding band. You wear it on your right hand. And then you get a wedding uh, engagement band. You change it over at the wedding ceremony. And then you get, now I did splurge. I got a huge $80 wedding band for her, uh, for the wedding. Uh, so she has two bands, uh, if we had lost that, though, 110 bucks. But if it slipped off, be scrambling and searching for that. This salvation we've been given is precious. Don't let it slip. We can drift at sea. We can let it slip off our, our fingers. And then, and then this, this, this other word, it, it could mean for the ter term drift, it's like a, a water jar with just a little leak in it that you don't recognize. And before it, it comes to mind, uh, you, you're running on empty and you don't know it. Don't drift 
away. Now, why don't you drift? Well, you don't drift because, chapter 1, he is the divine son of God. He is God himself. Or as we heard this morning from Renee and in chapter 2, he's become one of us. Not only is he fully God, he's fully human, and he's gone through everything we've gone through. How is it we could walk away from that great gift? Or what it says here, and it's not pulling punches, they didn't escape judgment. You don't drift and hear that word. We can't walk away without hearing that word. We don't want to be under that judgment. But then this word we get in 14 through 18. I love this reminder. Here's why we don't drift. He is the merciful and faithful priest of God. As Lori wonderfully sang for us this morning, what a, what a beautiful name it is. He is the merciful priest of God of God. You see so much here of his work for us. He renders the devil powerless. He delivers us from slavery, from the fear of death. He helps. He makes propitiation for sin. He comes to our aid. He is merciful. So many different definitions for mercy, compassion or forgiveness shown towards someone who is within one's power to punish or to harm. Biblically, kindness shown in excess, forbearance. I love what one Christian author said this week. There is more mercy in Christ than sin in us. Somebody need to hear that this morning? There's more mercy in him than there is sin in us. But I like what Dick Eastman says in his book, Awesome, The Nature and Names of Jesus. He says he, his definition of mercy is second chance. That in Jesus Christ, we are gifted a second chance. We pay attention. We do not drift because he has shown us his great mercy in Christ Jesus. We've been given a second chance. We've got somebody from our church family this morning, uh, Jenny too, who wants to come and just give praise to God, a testimony to God, to a second chance uh, that she had in her life. You know, in Wednesday night Bible study with uh, Barry, we were focusing on Joshua. Chapter 1, verse 9 says, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. God's word is full of promises like this one, and the Bible is also full of stories of people who were given second, third, fourth chances, Jonah, David, Peter, Mark, and others. You know their stories, and this morning I want to tell you mine. Barry introduced me, Jeannie too. We've been a member here for um, about a year and a half, and some of you I've met, some of you I know, and some of you don't have a clue who I am, but if I add, I'm the one who had a massive heart attack playing pickleball in our church gym, then you're like, oh yeah, I've heard of her. <laughs> well, yeah, that's me. My 15 minutes of fame was totally unexpected, and I would not have survived if God had not been watching over me, setting in motion a series of events, chances, and people that saved my life. 
My story begins with my friend, Laura Isbell, who said to me last September, hey, there's gonna be a pickleball clinic at the Richland Tennis Center. I'm gonna sign up, you wanna go with me? And I said, sure, that sounds like fun. I used to be a tennis player, so I'm like, yeah, I'd like to try that. Well, Laura hurt her hand and she wasn't able to go, but I did. So because of what you might call this chance encounter, I was in our church gym playing pickleball on December the 9th instead of at, the, at my house walking my dogs alone along the woods behind our house by myself. And if I had suffered what my surgeon, my cardiac surgeon called a sudden cardiac death episode there or lots of other places, I would not be here telling you this story. I mean, sudden cardiac death sounds a lot more ominous than heart attack, right? Enter another church member, one I had not even met, Randy Hurlmeyer. He was there on the court that same afternoon playing. Randy knows CPR and he also knows how to use the defibrillators that our church had chosen to put in various areas, including the gym. You know, I found out later that Randy didn't really want to play pickleball that day, and he hadn't planned on going, but something told him he needed to. You know, thank God for people who are open to nudges from the Holy Spirit. And yes, that can be a scary proposition because obviously, you know, you don't have any idea. You never know what God might ask you to do. But just live in that promise to Jonah, uh, to Jonah, to Joshua too, that he will be with you. In an earlier guardian moment, uh, Ronnie and I in 2021 um, chose to move from Pensacola and we chose to move to Madison, very close to one of the top cardiac units in the entire state. After having my chest beaten on by Randy and by the EMTs in the ambulance, none of which I remember, thank goodness, the cardiac team at St. Dominic's took over. Someone who'd had regular checkups, who thought she was in great shape, was healthy, and it was her job to take care of other people, needed quadruple bypass surgery, along with a little extra work on the back of my heart. That was all done on December the 13th, and my recovery has gone remarkably well, due in no small part, of course, to my family who took care of me, but also to an army of warriors from this church and my neighborhood and even from our former church in Pensacola that kept me covered in prayer. I know that when my name was called from this pulpit, just as names were called this morning, that many of you prayed for me. You didn't know who I was. You didn't have any idea, but you prayed for me. And I deeply appreciate that. I think one of our greatest callings and one of our greatest blessings as Christians and as a church body is to be here in community caring for one another. You know, there were lots of other just small blessings. My family, of course, who was there immediately by my side, who took care of me, um, people from my Sunday school class who kept us fed after I got home from my community that did the same thing. These were small things, 
the fact that when Ronnie and I moved here, we had an extra bedroom. So we bought a new bedroom suit, an adjustable bed, which I had never had before, but it allowed me to be able to sleep somewhere at night other than in my recliner. So there were lots of just small, insignificant things that I could list on and on. You know, I've thought about it. I've prayed about it. And I, you know, I have no idea. I can't begin to explain why I was spared that day when others in similar life-threatening circumstances, even at about the same time, were not. During the time that I was out, I didn't see any bright lights. I didn't hear any heavenly choirs. Uh, I didn't find myself floating above my body. There were no earth-shattering epiphanies. But as I thought back over God being in my life and setting up all these things, it continues to be a very humbling experience and one that I can only pray has made me more aware of ways that I can be an agent of God's watchful care, a provider of second or third or 77th chances for someone else. During my recovery, I've received uh, a lot of cards. One of them read, God always puts the right people in your life at the right moment. And to me today, this is not a hallmark moment or a needlework suggestion. A lot of different people came together in my life at the exact moment when I needed them. And they're the only reason that I got to celebrate a Christmas miracle with my family. My thoughts in closing for whatever they're worth. Don't think this can't happen to you, no matter your age or how great a shape you think you're in. Instead of going out to eat, take that $99 and sign up for the Lifeline screening test, which are easy, they are readily available in our area, and trust me, that's a whole lot better way to find out you have a problem than a sudden cardiac death episode. We all know life is precious, but if I learned anything from this, it's that our lives are uncertain. Don't squander the chances you've been given. Don't drift. Be strong. Be courageous. Wherever you are in your life right now, right now, allow God to put you in the path of someone who needs encouragement, comfort, Physical help, physical help, forgiveness, maybe forgiveness from you, or maybe just simply acknowledgement from another human being. Jeremiah 29:11 says, For surely I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans for your welfare and not for harm, to give you a future with hope. People, that promise is true. I'm living proof of it. All we have to do is just live into these promises that God had given us and trust that God is still in the business of equipping ordinary people to do extraordinary things. Go with God. Amen. Thank you. Wonderful, yes. The author of Hebrews reminds us we've been given a great mercy. Let me say that word again, we. 
And you're right, you're right on the money about that. We miss that when, when we read the Bible. Sometimes it's all about us. But it says we should not drift away. We should give right attention. What we have heard. And you see that kind of corporate, chapter 3, encourage one another. This corporate commitment to each other. Chapter 6, uh, see that your love, God sees your love and ministry to the saints. Chapter 10, don't give up meeting together. Push each other to good deeds. Encourage one another. Chapter 11, see to it no one comes short of the, of the grace of God. Chapter 13, let the love of the brethren continue. Pray for us. Share. We are a church of second chances. Yes, you and I need to individually respond to the mercy of God and allow him to save our souls, forgive us. But I love that this church has routinely been a church of second chances. If you're hurt, if you're broken, or maybe if you're drifting, and sinning. We're not going to let you stay there, but we're going to love you through it. We're going to walk you through it because Jesus Christ came to us in our stuff, and we're going to be a church that walks with people through their stuff. That's the commitment. How are you, as Jeannie reminds us, how are you not, not only intentionally and carefully making sure we don't drift, but also intentionally and carefully saying, how can I be a part of the ministry of mercy of God? Because he's calling you to that. How can I be a person of second chances. How can we be a church of second chances? I was standing with Ron by the emergency room uh, door. We, I had raced following uh, the ambulance. I wasn't here at church, I think it was a Friday, and so we raced to, to follow, and was praying with Ron, talking with Ron, and, the, and, the, and the, the lady at the front said, we can't let you back right now, they're gonna come and get you later to let him go back to see Jeannie. And so there we are at those double doors, and as a pastor, I'm like, well, let me, let me just say a word of encouragement. And I got about four words into this wonderful word of encouragement to Ron. And some, a random nurse or doctor just kind of walked through the doors. Ron didn't give me any attention. He just ghosted me and illegally went back into the ER to go find his wife. As soon as that door was open, I'm not waiting on my name to be called. I need to minister to her and to be there with it's we. We've been given a great salvation. How is it you and I can continue to be the hands and feet of Christ, the compassion of Christ, the love of Christ, the grace and truth of Christ for people who are broken, people who are hurting, people who are struggling? We've been given a great, great second chance. How is it you and I uh, need to live that out? Let's pray about that. Father, there, there may be some of us this morning as we look across our lives, we realize uh, that we have drifted in our own life. We've not been careful. We've not been intentional. Father, would you call us back that we might be faithful to Christ, to his goodness, to his sovereignty, to his lordship, but also because of his great mercy that he's the God of second chances. I pray, I pray we would receive that word, believe that word, and that he would once again be the anchor, the hope of our souls. But Father, as well, as we think about our commitment to each other, to people outside these walls, may we who have been given and gifted a second chance, Father, may we be a part of your mercy of ministry to one another and to those who are broken and struggling. We thank you for that great gift. In Christ Jesus, we pray. Amen.